Layovers, your weekly dose of aviation innovation. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard from the flight deck. This is Paul Pabedimitria, and this is Alex Hunter. We'll be the pilots for this podcast about the news, the startups, and the technologies defining the modern air travel experience. This is a special flight which contains a full interview of Dean Johnson, Senior Vice President of Creative Innovation at Brandwith Group. If you are on board during flight 12 to LAX, you can forward by 20 minutes. Flight time today, 42 minutes, and we expect an on-time arrival. As we reach our cruising altitude, I'm going to turn off the passenger seat bell sign for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and let's turn on those noise-canceling headphones. The guy who gets the most notifications in the world is uh, Dean Johnson because he has maybe like probably 20 smartwatches. He has, I don't know how many phones, how many tablets, and then God knows how un, how many unreleased gadgets because he gets a lot of gadgets pre-release as well to test them. That's why he says testing them. He <laughs> just wants them. So Dean, uh, what's your title again? Innovation Vice President? Yeah, creative. creative. It's got the word creative and innovation in it. So it covers lots. Oh, wow. You must be very important. Uh, so first, before we go into uh, talking again about a little bit more air, about air travel, I want to know about you, which are three questions uh, we try to ask all of our guests. I mean, you're the second one, so you're just igniting that tradition. Uh, first is how do you fly? Do you have any quirks, any thing that you think makes you stand apart in terms of a passenger? Uh, you only fly private, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, well, so, you know, I'm I'm quite, you know, most of the time it's cattle class. So I try to steer myself onto the plane as, at the end, as where, as close to the end as possible, as in, oh. so that I can get back off quickly, um, so that I'm not waiting for the great unwashed or get out of the way. Um, that's also one of the most annoying things to me is that the great unwashed do not get up quickly enough when it's time to get off a plane because the, one of the things that annoys me most on a plane is when okay we've finished we've been taxiing we're there we're almost ready to get off the plane so i'm up because i you know one of the things how do i fly yeah i always want an aisle seat I, actually i always want a window seat because i want to stare out the window because it's always a great thing to look at but actually i really end up with the aisle seat so that i can get up and sit down whenever I want, and I can stretch at least one leg, um, it, perhaps at a time if I'm lying face down on the seat, but actually <laughs> one, at least one leg. Um, but the thing is, the thing that annoys me is, you. okay, so we've taxied, we're there. I've stood up. I'm on the aisle. I'm the only, one of the only people that have stood up. So I know that I can see at least two or three people in front of me also on the aisle that haven't stood up yet. So I've got my bag down. I've got my coat on. I'm ready to go as soon as the line starts moving. No, nope. as soon as the line starts moving, then those other people get up. <laughs> then then they start to slowly get the bag down. Then they start to slowly put the coat on. They just either got up already. We'd all be moving off together. I, I, that's the closest I get to air rage. Um, when I really, <laughs> I really want to push them back down to their seat again or just manhandle them along the gangway without them having the chance to take their own baggage. It's almost like they have to forfeit it. Um, so that's quite annoying. The other thing that annoys me also is that when people leave window blinds down too long, it's daylight and they, and it's not because the sun's streaming in in their eyes, 
It's just that they think that they they know how to adjust themselves to the local time. Actually, they're going to stick with the time. It was night time when we left. Let's still make it night time now. No, the reason I'm not going to get jet lag is because it's daylight out there. Now make it daylight. So <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm I was with flying you on back that. from LA uh, last month, and there was a guy window blind down, sat there reading his book to the light of the entertainment screen in front of him. So he couldn't see his book because he hadn't put the window blind up. So I, I, I wanted to lean over and bang his head against the window blind until he realized that there was a way for him to illuminate it better than There's using a solution a little to this LCD problem. screen. <laughs> on the on the on the 787, actually, the Dreamliner, some airlines have installed a so the, the the window blind is not an actual blind, it's yeah, the, yeah. The, the the shade of the window. But there, there's a master switch. Actually, the they can actually just decide that everybody is up now. It's like daylight for <laughs> yeah, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. So. That's great. The first time I saw one of those, I was really confused because I wondered why it was getting so dark so quickly, and it wasn't. Oh, so you flew so the seventy-seven? Yeah, I didn't even oh, know what God. it was called. Oh, so yeah. you guys, you guys wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, but I've never flown one, and I really want to. So it's great. <laughs> Lucky. It, it's the future. It's clearly very good. Um, so yeah, so no, no major unusual idiosyncrasies i will just try and get on i think the last five minutes suggest otherwise Dean. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the tsa are actually going to pull me off before i get on the plane next because i'm a potential air rage risk now having done this that's uh, that's a worry um <laughs> so okay about that do you have a second question do you have a, a flight a memorable a memorable flight story or maybe also in an airport something that really stuck yeah. Oh, Silicon. this was really a one of a kind. Yeah, I would. I suppose two of them. There's two of them here. Both of them involved me having not air rage, but being quite annoyed by something. Uh, oh, we are on a there's yeah. a trend here, right? Yeah, the first one would be when oh, this must be about a decade ago when I flew to New York with my wife, and um, we were. This was before all of the ridiculous taxes, so we could just get there and back for 250 quid each. But that wasn't cheap enough. We wanted to save another 50 quid. So we went with Air India to New York, not a conventional airline to fly to New York, I presume. Um, I've never flown Air India since for, for this very reason. Um, so we got on, on the way there, brilliant. We were upgraded as soon as we got on the plane. It wasn't even at the desk. We were, we were called out over the tannoy. Mr. Mrs. Johnson, please come upstairs. Nice. Brilliant. Upgraded. Fantastic. They had, they had flock walls. That was amazing. That's the first time I've ever seen that in an aircraft, flock walls. Um, but then on the way back, not the same experience. We, we sat down and we had paid a little bit extra to get legroom. So we were by the, the exit. And um, the two seats that normally are used by the, the flight attendants, where they pull down the temporary seat and just on takeoff and landing. No, no, they'd sold those. What? So for the, they'd what? Sold for the, <laughs> the entire no flight, we had two people staring at us. <laughs> no way! Probably staff, but that's unbelievable. Yeah, that that was that was quite special. So haven't flown Air India since, but it was. Um, so the other the other experience would be on a Washington flight. Um, it was an internal flight. We were meant to be going from Washington to New York, I think. And a colleague of mine, neither of us had been confirmed for the flight, so got up to the to the desk um, at the gate. I was okay. Got on. Um, my colleague guy. I, I just kind of shrugged shoulders and, and he said, I'll probably be, be let on in a minute. No, 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 no. What, who they let on? Because we'd been in Washington for the inauguration. And um, also, 
a whole team of cheerleaders had been in Washington for the inauguration and they'd won a trophy. So the trophy got guys seat. So <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> so I got on the plane, brilliant. I'm in and then here comes a trophy. Brilliant. So they gave the seat, they gave guys seat to a trophy. That's and uh, phenomenal. All thanks to having been too successful at the inauguration. Brilliant. So um two examples well, of being nice stories. And last one, I mean I I since you said what you said earlier, maybe that will still be something that annoys you. But what if you had a power, what would be the single thing you would change in the air travel industry or maybe your passenger experience? A single thing, if you could change, what would it be? The single thing would be the material they make armrests from. Okay. It, it's oh. the most uncomfortable, painful material known to man in, in economy. <laughs> And So they don't make they don't make any attempt to round off the edges. So you're kind of digging, deciding which part of your elbow it will dig into, and then no, no, that's not enough. The fact is, there is no written rule for armrest etiquette. Oh yes, there so, is. <laughs> there is, is actually, there? Alex. I'll tell you exactly what it is. Aisle gets the access, window gets the view, middle gets the armrests. Middle gets both armrests. Middle gets both armrests. Oh, no, no. They've got to do, surely they've just got to get one armrest. Both armrests. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I, the, I guess, I, <laughs> that's the protocol. I guess my aisle seat, I do get one armrest. So I, if, if anyone's claiming the one that's on the aisle, then I'm, they're really in trouble. Yeah. No, so they, so you get, if you're on the aisle, you get the one on the uh, aisle. If you're in the window, you get the one that's up against the wall. But the, the, the two middle ones, the person in the aisle seat gets. Uh, okay. And we're going to get uh, 680 million emails about this saying, actually, <laughs> that's not how it works. But if you fly with me, that's how it works. <laughs> that really should that really should be in the safety video yeah, and, and, and the right. demo at the start. <laughs> you're actually right. An etiquette would be nice. Or at least on the leaflet in front of you. Yeah, yeah. But since you talked about that, about being in a seat. So earlier in the show, you mentioned about, oh, well, it would be so nice to have the headset, the VR headset. So you are someone who actually knows about virtual reality. You also worked in it. We'll go to that in a minute. But imagine yourself with a VR headset. And now, what do you do with your hand? You start slapping the people next to you instead of actually just fighting for the armrest because you don't have no realization of where you are. So v VR in airplanes. So you said, we mentioned earlier, you said, Dean, that uh, Contest and uh, and Samsung are working together. I think it's a trial. They're offering VR headsets for the premium passengers or in some of their aircrafts. I've not read any reviews, to be honest, about how this is going, so I, I, can't, I can't tell you. But it's certain that they're going into that direction. Before talking about what the, air, the airline industry is doing, would you, yourself, if you have, I think you have a few VR headsets, would you put one on during a flight and just like forget about everything else and just, you know, either play a game or, and I'm not talking about those where you actually have to stand up and move, but just an immersive experience, whether maybe just a movie. Would you do it? Have you done it? Um, no. Um, no, I haven't. And no, I wouldn't for any duration of time. So I, I kind of already mentioned this. There's about an hour's worth of just, you, see, I was just this weekend, I was, I was in, I was immersing myself for an hour of solid virtual reality, testing all sorts of stuff came out the other end and I felt like I was some kind of right stuff test pilot because I was in pain, I was nauseous, but I felt good about that because I was pioneering all of that. That's not the kind of thing that first class passenger pays good money to feel 
pain and nausea. Um, no, no, in fact, there was a news story only, only today that was talking about using VR headsets to counter uh, motion sickness on plane. Because wow. the, the point was, when you're on a plane and the plane is moving, because you're, all of your point of reference is remaining fixed, your yeah. brain thinks that actually I'm, this is something's not right here. That's why I'm nauseous. Now, the point was saying you could use a VR headset and it would give you something in what you're looking at that would balance out that issue. So it would show something moving with the horizon line. Again, that, that's a brilliant idea and, and a solution to a medical condition if you're flying for about 30 minutes. But afterwards, you're then going to feel nauseous because you're using virtual reality. Right. So there's a problem there oh, wow. that it's going to solve then cause again but so, is, it, is it i mean because maybe you when you're testing it was gaming I'm, I'm not sure and i won't but is it do you think that even if it's just a simple movie watching so you don't have any type of interaction just watching something is it also something that gives you nausea because i've never tried for long periods yeah I've only just, tried just for watching, like 10 minutes so. yeah just watching is going to be fine um it's just okay. that you're you will want to keep coming out of that environment at, at regular points you know when we're just not quite there yet. The headsets aren't quite comfortable enough for a long yeah, because period there of was time. an article in, in, in Polygon a few weeks ago by Ben Kuchera and he said that his claustrophobia was gone immediately. I don't know if he has a flight anxiety, flying anxiety, but he was like his brain kind of like shut down the rest and he was in a, his own bubble, which again, I don't know if it's the case for him, but for people who have anxiety of flying or even fear of flying would be something that could potentially, and maybe according to what you say, in not the near, but more the midterm, be, be something useful. Do you do you think that at some point, let's talk maybe 20 years down the line, I don't know, we'll have some VR headsets for everyone because it'll be cheaper to produce, the content will be there, and you'll just slap that on you, uh, and that's it, and you're for whatever duration of flight you're gone. Is it something you think will happen or think we'll never get there? No, no, I think we will. I think it's... <sighs> Part of it is the problem that we don't fly as fast as Concorde anymore. Um, so as, the, as long as we're sticking people in a big metal tube for 10 hours in not the most comfortable seating possible, if we can distract them mentally from that environment, then that's actually a good thing. Um, but, I would say, I would sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I would say you could actually distract them from the fact that the, air, the aircraft sucks, that there's no leg room and yeah, there's no yeah. service. But oh, you have a VR headset, so forget about the flight for the air. Your experience was great, like you were in a movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so part, I'm being very cynical here. But part of that would be, you know, you, your your user experience also includes the fact that someone's coming down the aisle with a trolley that somehow communicates with your headset to tell you that there's a trolley coming in much the same way as they don't wake you up or nudge you when they think you're asleep. Actually, if you're just in, in the middle of watching a film, it's different to someone waving a hand in front of you because, or you've seen them because you've just got a pair of headphones on and a screen in front of you. Yeah. If, you've got a, if you're fully immersed and you realise after 10 hours you had nothing to eat, um, you'd be quite annoyed. So there's, there's, uh, there are various things rather than a, just a tap on the arm. Uh, there's lots of things to, to connect still, but you know, I think in another five years' time, or less than that, will will be there. I I will just mention it was just a patent, but a few months ago, Airbus has done a patent with the a patent of a seat which has an integrated helmet, <laughs> like it's kind of VR helmet in it. I mean, besides that, because why not? What I really loved about a patent, and I'm quoting the patent here, uh, it says the passenger would have the possibility of choosing a type of oxygen flow 
refreshed, conditioned, and the, the air can be enhanced with uh, natural or synthetic odorous substances. Do they want us to get drugs so we forget about the fact we're flying or something? This is not, this is not something I would welcome. Like after three D, uh, after the three D images now, and welcome the three D odorant in the plane as well. Uh, so gross. that's gross. yeah. But I mean, they're going for. I mean, these are just patterns. You cannot read too much into patterns, but clearly. There's the fact that there are some um, trials. We mentioned Qantas. I know that Delta was also interested in providing uh, headsets for passengers. There's something uh, about it, but according to what you say, it's it's too late. So maybe let's go not as far uh, as VR headsets, but something closer to what we have now in terms of our own, you know, stuff we use currently. Uh, oh yeah, actually, one of the things that bother a lot of people flying is when you have I'm sorry for those of you who are parents. Uh, babies are crying, <laughs> and there was this there was this seat that was also uh, unveiled last week, which basically on the headrest has two as basically like a like a speaker, and that acts like as a noise canceling speaker and creates a bubble around your head of no noise. You're in a silent bubble, though you're in a plane. That is something that is pretty that cool, is actually. Cool. Does yeah. it work? Uh, that is. I don't know. I've never tried it. The, I, they say it does. One of the things about the uh, the VR stuff that I think, yeah, as Dean says, five years from now, maybe. But I love looking out the window and going, I yeah, wonder I wonder what city that is or what airport that is that we're flying over. Or you see a plane zip by, which is so neat. I wonder who that is. I mean, you can maybe see the airline, but where are they going? And how long do they have your flight left? And we've talked about some of the apps where you hold up the the augmented reality and you can get all of that information but i wonder if the if the, there's an intermediary thing of of not a heads up display on the actual seat window like pilots have and some modern aircraft to show them uh pertinent flight data but something that's like google glass where you can look down at a city and see borders of towns and countries and you know look at a plane and it would have a little dot over it that shows you who it is and where it is we have the technology to do that. I, I saw a patent recently for exactly that of a window overlay, but I feel like that that's hugely in the future. Do you think there's an opportunity to take the data that has been available to us for years in these apps, iPhone apps and, and smartphone apps, and project it into the environment? Maybe not in something like a headset, but either with something like Google Glass or a projection or interface on the window. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, the augmented reality glasses, I and mean, some guys that we're working with at the moment, ODG, um, based in San Francisco, they've been they've been at this for a decade now, and they they are able to, as you see it, tell you exactly what you're looking at, who you're looking at, what the buildings are, whatever else. That's stunning stuff. The bit, much like Google Glass, is that we're still at that barrier stage where there's you you don't want to look stupid yeah um and it's a bit like until we're at the stage where you're wearing a pair of glasses that look like a normal pair of glasses um you know there's I, i'm getting my hands on finally next week my recon jets which i've been going on about for about two years or more now and they're essentially a um they, they use the same technology that google glass used but they are more sport orientated, which the irony is I barely move around during the day. <laughs> but um, they um, 
they they look they look cool. So they look like Oakleys. They've got all the stuff built in, and it and it feels like that's a real step in the right directions because they don't look stupid. However, <clears throat> they would look stupid if you were just in a normal office environment. Mm. Um, they they wouldn't. Stupid is the wrong word. They they would they would look unfamiliar to everyone around you until enough people are wearing them. Um, but actually, within within a sporting environment, they look spot on. Um, so that works. So if you're in a plane, yeah, maybe it's something that you have access to. It's it's that ten dollars extra surcharge. Yeah. Um, you can have whatever you want extras, and it's the the you know it's not relying on the the audience, the consumers owning their own, but it becomes something that's available. That that could be good. I mean, a lot of the stuff that the data that I, I mentioned that would power something like that, like I said, is freely available. And I always wonder, you know, we have moving map and a lot of airlines have pushed that feature quite hard. They've they've made it so you get like a like a third person view over the tail and you're getting all this wonderful flight data information. If you added like better geog geographical information of where you're flying over, what to look out for, what it might look like out the window, and then other traffic, which there are like five really, really good apps that give us real-time flight information. If you could see all of the other planes around you, I just think there's something really nice. And I think it's the same psychological uh, moment or thing that happens when you're watching live TV on an airplane. You don't feel as isolated and compartmentalized in a tin can when you're connected to something that's happening outside of your environment, like live TV or the world that's happening around you. It feels like a, like a, a worthwhile investment to improve passenger experience. Yeah, you guys would love the ODG glasses. They do have an app that actually taps into the US air traffic control and no matter where you look. Get me a pair, Dean, right now. At, <laughs> <laughs> you'd never take them off. <laughs> well, this is, this is, do, you, do you think, by the way, since talking about our augmented reality, this is also something that could be very useful at airports? Uh, wayfinding so like i arrive in a very massive airport and you know my my glasses just tell me where to go i mean right now we've we mentioned with with alex in several episodes you have apps which rely on ibcons and you can in frankfurt airport um what was it the one last week i forgot uh you can move around okay no, so it was uh, amsterdam but do you think that is something have you seen maybe uh, because you you're do that kind of horizon scanning or within your company when you look at all the gadgets. Have you seen something like that we can be also used for common stuff that not only in the airplane, but in the airports or any other transportation? Um, uh, yes, simply. <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, it's one of the features that is genuinely useful. Um, yeah, you can have all sorts of notifications or whatever pop up in your in your field of view but um yeah telling you what you're looking at is one of the most useful things that, that you can have provided so whether that's people or places or directions to go specifically somewhere so you know it's like ces was the great example surrounded by all of this tech but i didn't have a bit of that tech on my head to tell me where i should go when i should be there how long it would take me to get there just on foot um, and that stuff is really useful now things like you know, we have access, as you say, to those apps that are sit on a smartphone. Um, we're getting there with smart watches now, and actually, the you know, we've we've been working with these things for long enough now, and some of it is stargazing, 
Some of it is because people want to tick a box because they want to say, "I've Apple Watch is out tomorrow. I've got an app, yeah. but I don't didn't really need an app, or it's not adding any value. It's no better than having that app on your smartphone." Where it really helps is rather than walking about with that smartphone in front of you and then kind of occasionally glancing up to avoid a lamppost, you've got that thing on your wrist that only tells you when you actually need to do something, which is turn left, turn right. Have you that's, seen that's have you seen useful. any airline or travel apps that do that that are actually useful and not as you say we need an app because it's coming out tomorrow? Well, it's funny you should say that. Uh, we have a, an app that's coming out tomorrow. Um, but that's um, actually you know it wouldn't sound as if it was providing those kind of features, but it's our Porsche Car Connect app, um, and one of the features is Find My Car. And you suddenly realize that's actually really useful. That's because, unbelievably useful. Yeah. I mean, there are various apps that will allow you to do something as you leave the car or you can leave something in the car. But actually, the thing that's a no-brainer, it just knows where your car is because the kit is essentially in the car that's talking to it. Um, wow. You know, wherever you are, where is it? And then when you get there, um, you can get your car to sound the horn and flash the lights if you're uh, at that point in the in the car park. So it's um, it's clever stuff. But those are the things that, you know... That that's the real fun light touch stuff. The rest of it is, yeah, there's there's kind of the unlocking your car. There's but the, the really important bits are the the status stuff so that it's telling you how much charge you've got left in your Wait, hybrid. you can unlock the car with level. the with the watch app. Yes, oh, although legally so in cool. certain in certain territories you can only lock it without unlocking it. And others you can vice versa or you can't put the windows up in certain territories in case you chop someone's head off, they might be stuck out of it. But um <laughs> There's all the, the legal stuff always gets in the way. And will it tell you oh, your status? Sorry, like Go ahead. if I'm if I've gone to the office and I parked my car, my office is my bedroom, so this is a terrible example. But um, <laughs> if if uh, if I've walked, you know, away, and I not within Bluetooth or any other range, and I, can I see if can I check if I've locked the car? Yeah. Ah, so, so cool. Yeah. So, oh, so the point this is, is amazing. We essentially, with ours, we we beam to a server that then talks to the car, rather than relying on any lo any local network. So it's not it's not Bluetooth. It's it's actually doing it without any of those dependencies. So yeah, that's great. I mean, that's that becomes useful. You can you can flash your lights and fold your wing mirrors in and put your aircon on, ready for you to turn up. These are all the things that a Porsche owner wants. <laughs> the rest right. of us kind of that's cool though that. i mean that's that's some super useful stuff that does exactly what you just said it extends the the usefulness beyond an app into something that's pertinent and timely yeah because uh talking about airline apps i mean there's a lot will come out i mean i've come out but basically people will start using them tomorrow uh you know ba Qantas, emirates we mentioned the third time i mentioned it air new zealand allows app on their, on the apple watch allows you to order coffee if you're in, the, in their lounge. Uh, I don't know how useful that is, but that's fun. But it's true that most of them, we don't know yet, so the jury's out. Will they be actually useful? Or will they be just like a, a pale copy of the app with less of... Uh, because at the end of the day, what you what you, people still talk about is having, oh, my flight is delayed, or this is the gate. You have the, these type of notifications. They're very useful, and you just have them on your wrist. Yeah. And possibly the QR code or whichever code for uh to actually checking uh for the uh, at uh, at the gate have you because you've had many many smartwatches have you ever done any check-in via one of the android watch you had or never 
No, none of them have lasted long enough, to be honest. But um, <laughs> I still um, would you? Would you? Well, would you though? Yes, I know I would because the the thing that amazes me is only when the infrastructure doesn't work. So you get to the airport and they still print you out a boarding pass, or um, you're busy filling in your uh, your immigration piece of paper that you've already done on or given all the details online, and all of these. Bits yeah. of replication of, of paperwork that, that shouldn't ever be a paper-based system. As soon as any of that is introduced, the whole thing falls down. But once we've got through that, it's a little bit of an uncomfortable middle ground. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, it's dead easy once you're just swiping something on your wrist. And that's always been the point. I mean, where we've championed smartwatches has been, you know, it, part of it has been lots of people don't wear watches now. Um but then the first point is to say, well, it's actually quicker to glance at your wrist than it is still to take something out of your pocket. Um, but it, and it's also quicker to pay for something or just give yourself access with something that's already there and available. Mm. So yeah, the, uh, JetBlue is introducing uh, Apple Pay in their flight, so you'll be able to pay since Apple Pay will be in the watch as well. You'll be able to pay with your watch. That's pre- that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's something. I, it's something I would do. I mean, I I, I didn't order a watch, uh, the Apple Watch. Sorry, I say watch as if it was all the watches. <laughs> uh, I didn't order one. Have you, Alex? No. And what about you? I mean, besides the ones you were using for obviously developing purposes, personally, would you have one, Dean? Uh, I probably will at some stage. Now, I haven't ordered one. Um, that sounds like sacrilege, but actually, I haven't simply because the one that I want uh, is a thousand dollars. Um, and I can't justify that right now, um, just because it, it, at the moment, to me, it doesn't feel like a thousand dollars worth, and there, I don't want to set just settle for another one because I won't be buying the watch that I want. So and, and right, I normally I'd be a, an early adopter, but that's it's a bit different with a phone because essentially you're choosing between a, a silver one, a white one, and a gold one, or whatever. And you're you're not thinking well. Actually, they're all the same price, and, and <laughs> I, I want the new one now. So, and and it's part of an upgrade. It's it's a slightly lesser, you know, it's it's you know, it's a no brainer as far as that's concerned. When it comes to watches, I I like watches and I still wear a watch. Um, so it's more personal to me. So I I didn't want to buy something that lots of other people were wearing. Um, and it didn't, you know, it, it says something about your watch. So, um, it, yeah, that, that's why I haven't ordered one yet. Do you, do you think, I mean, do you, th- I mean, do you think it will be a success? Is another question because we don't know. I mean, we've seen the pre-orders have been quite massive, but again, they don't tell you about the rest of the story, but do you think that people in general, because you do a lot of, since you create a lot of apps, you create experiences for brands, for, uh, for, uh, for entertainment. Do you think people are ready to kind of give way to for uh, yet another piece of technology on there i mean the the smartphone is clearly something that 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 matters tablet to a certain extent do you think that 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 is something that you will will see more and more people actually using watches and not talking about geeks like us because we want to test out stuff i'm talking about the general public if i'm wandering the streets of london or in an airport will i see people having watches do you think it will happen or not yeah no i've I've no doubt and then i think a big chunk of those people won't know why um they will suddenly have they will have been swept up uh, in in the you know a- apple sold more in one day than in the entire time all the other android watches have been on sale they sold uh, they sold over a million in a day um now i mean that's a lot of that was down to the fact that people are just kind of going yeah it sounds like a good thing to do um a chunk of those <laughs> are going yeah yeah i really want one of those and i don't know why 
and then a percentage of those are going yeah i really want one of those and i can justify exactly that but until they've got the thing on their wrist and they played with it um the other people that haven't bought one yet won't commit so what they're going to do is they're going to see all of those people no matter how confused or or certain they were as to why they needed one um all of them will be showing them to other people um Android watches, there haven't been enough of them out there. Um, and even when they're there, they're not necessarily the things design-wise that people want to see and do anything with. The hype is so massive surrounding this watch that everyone that sees a glance at one will kind of go, oh, let's have a look. It's a bit like Google Glass, but most people kind of then kind of thought, this is quite cool technology. I'd never wear one, but it's really cool. The difference is people will go away from this and go, I'm yeah, go I buy like one. that. I can see the reason and I might actually wear a watch now. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a great piece of marketing on Apple's part. Yeah, I might be enticed when I see some. I, I'm a no notification person, so I don't have almost no notification on my phone. So it's true that I will want something that is closer to what you said, which where if apps are intelligent about you know commenting my experience, I mean locking and locking my car. I mean even better, like Alex said, letting me know did I actually lock my car or not? Like the small things. If it's to get like 25 notifications a minute because I get a new tweet, email, or, or anything, this is where this is why I'm still not convinced. I want to see it in action. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have time to go to. Uh, but anyway, I'm sure I, the airline industry for the moment is just pushing the major airlines, are pushing their apps out there. We'll have probably the first reviews starting tomorrow. Uh, probably not all of them will be staggeringly great application. There will be just companion apps. Will people use them? I don't know. But over time, it's true that we'll we'll see uh, more of this um of this type of of, of innovation. Uh, also from the other side, actually, when you think about, it, I know Virgin, because Alex is a big Virgin guy. Virgin has done trials at Heathrow with the the the, the, the crew, the, not the crew, the, the the ground staff was having both trying Google Glass and I think it was a Sony smartwatch two, and then they moved to the Sony smartwatch three. You can let us know what you think about that one afterwards. <laughs> uh, they were using that as you come to the desk and instead of looking down at the screen, they will just glance a piece of information at a watch or simply watch directly the person through the Google Glass, which created a better customer experience because I was still talking to you, not you know abandoning you for five minutes while I was checking the information. Maybe, do you, have, you, have you ever seen any crew or anyone actually having this kind of stuff or because you mentioned you flew Virgin, so, or not? I, I've seen a, I've seen a couple of, um a, a check-in wearing google glass um and it oh, wow. it doesn't look it doesn't look out of place at all in that environment and that's the interesting that thing you know, interesting. we've all gone we've all gone through the glass holes phase um where people look crazy walking down the street or whatever <laughs> um but in a, in a in that kind of environment it doesn't look out of place at all um and i think that's where it you know, that that kind of that kind of headset can work um you know it's it's the, the watches are, uh, it's a little bit different there, I guess. The headsets make more sense almost than the watches, unless you're just trying to have discrete notifications when um, the expense of a headset doesn't work. Alex? I've never seen, the only thing I've ever seen is iPads. Well, more and more, yeah. I've yeah. never think, I've yeah. never seen anything like that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something new. I know... Uh, Jal has also, I think, done some tests at Haneda Airport, I think, uh, but I've never, I've yet to see any. I don't fly Virgin, so in Ether, I wasn't able to I see will, Actually, I was just but, thinking about, 
about this from an airport extension thing. I will ask Dan, one of the things, Dean, that came up in our conversation with our air traffic controller guest was that the vast majority of his work, 90 plus percent, is looking out the window, not at a screen. So he's not looking at the radar. He's looking out the window to control the things that are going on. I would be interested to ask Dan, who, because he's my friend, I've known him for years, I know for the fact that he's a technology Luddite. If something like Google Glass or an augmented reality display would actually help or hinder an air traffic controller in their in their work or a pilot. Yeah, that now that would be interesting to know. But do you so most of most of the the stuff that Brandwith does is not it's for consumer for for the consumer, right? You you don't do apps, uh, maybe you do. I don't know apps that are just for basically a B two B play. No, no, I'm, the bigger part of our business is actually B two B. It's just that I get to talk about all the fun stuff that we do. Consumers. <laughs> um, so, for instance, we'll we'll do apps and integrated services right across automotive dealerships and all the things that go on in the background and all of the the in the interesting to data nerds, the bits that go on in the background that actually make it seamless from the bits that introduce it to a, a consumer. But then once those details have disappeared, um, where do they go and how do they actually populate somewhere else? You know, that's a, a big chunk of our business. But it's, you know, it it's, sounds less interesting, but it's it's the bit that makes more money for us. Yeah, and it's a bit that without it, you don't have the rest. I mean, without all the infrastructure that backs all the experience we're having in consumers, you just basically don't have anything for consumers. I mean, Alex and I talk about that uh, on this podcast. There's a lot of legacies that happen in the airline industry. And this is also why sometimes people complain about stuff happening, especially now with technology. Like you have an iPhone and some stuff don't work. It's because there sometimes airlines rely on very old type of, of, of software, the GDS, the old ticketing system behind that, you know, just allows you to get a ticket. You just mentioned being annoyed by the fact that you had to some, some, uh, some replication. You had to write down twice the same thing or maybe get your your uh, boarding pass to be printed. It's just usually it's because of legacy software, because an, an airport is not able to do otherwise or because they have not implemented yet. And this is the B2B stuff that for your company, you do you said you make uh, most money on that if it's not put in place that no matter how many iPhones, Google Glass, or VR headsets you have, you won't have a nice experience. No, exactly. I mean, it's it's also the, the, the consumer expects it all to be seamless. So now more so than ever, they're, they're becoming annoyed when the things that they oh, just yeah. expect, the, the magic, they expect it to happen in the background. And as soon as there's a bump, it becomes a customer service problem. Yeah. Maybe one last question, uh, unless Alex has one. Uh, have you seen the, the the Disney bandwidth? I mean, it's a kind of a wrist thing uh, that you get if you go to Disney World, I think, in Florida. Have you heard about that story? The magic band. It's, yeah, it's ma thank you. I was looking for the name. Uh, it's basically, you know, it's, it's a band which has an embedded, I guess, RFID chip. I'm not sure about the technology behind it. But the point is, as an experience, it's completely seamless. You, the, by the time you arrive at Disney World, they give you that band. You keep you put it on your wrist, and then you can do everything with it. You can book a restaurant, you can enter rides, you can pay for whatever you know, a, a diet coke for my friend here, Alex. You can do whatever you want with this, uh, and it's so you don't you have you can forget about everything else. Obviously, in the case of Disney, it means like you're completely immersed in the Disney experience. But do you think? that this is a type of experience that will sometime, some someday have, meaning whether it's a, a watch or any other piece of technology that I have on me, I can go to an airport and I don't have to go through like all the, I mean, probably security, but the rest would be 
automatic. I don't even have to actually download uh, a, a boarding pass on my on my phone. I can just pass by a door that recognizes my chip and it lets me. Do you think it's something that some point in time will get and have that seamless? Because you mentioned the term seamless, seamless experience. Is it something you you see happening or not? Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no there's no stopping that from happening. The the, the one. The one boundary to that lot was the the barrier rather to that lot was was payment, um, and because all of the rival factions within software platforms had all been fighting over each other, not you know this wasn't an Apple versus Android issue. This was banks versus banks. Mm-hmm. This was the fact that all of the all of the banks and the credit cards all wanted a piece of the action, but actually where the control lay was in the the credit cards that were entered into things like iTunes and Google Play because people don't want to have to go to a different system then to pay for something else. They want to know that if all they do is swipe something and the end result is it comes off their main form of payment, which whether that's a debit or a credit card, um, they don't care that it's Visa or MasterCard or Barclays or HSBC or whoever's doing that behind the scenes. They just want to know that the device that they're using yeah. enables all of that. Um, is and, you know that's why the billion dollar investment in the magic brand for Disney is is priceless for them because that investment pays back so quickly because you remove money from it um, yeah. and that's what yeah. happens with your devices you as soon as you just swipe your band to, to pay for a piece of merchandise that's when that merchandise to the kids is worth nothing it's not worth nothing it costs nothing where, where you end up paying for it is not even on checkout because it's too late that's already come off your credit card here's, here's just the here's just the summary of telling you where all of that money went um it just it removes all of those barriers and um again you know financial barriers were the they were the biggest ones there and you know that's been pretty close to being solved now wow alex any other questions? no i i think we could talk about this for for hours but uh this is yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating i mean so just just to, to get this off let's imagine a future where we'll have a vr headset in the airport i mean you'll see dean because dean sees a his horizon scanning it'll be the first one you'll see a guy walking with a vr headset not knowing where he is in the airport because he's always lost with a band and just going through all security so they're just walking they are getting into a plane he has no clue where he is no clue where he was but basically because he was in a vr headset he was in another he looked reality. exactly he looked like he knew what he was doing <laughs> on that guys thank you so much thank you dean, dean was thank really you so much that's fascinating us all, all along thanks guys. on behalf of layovers the entire crew we'd like to thank you for joining us on this podcast and we're looking forward to seeing you on board again next week flight attendants please prepare for landing